Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good to see all of you here today in your winter coats and your hats and your gloves. <laughs> what happened? Um, you know, as we begin, I, I just want to personally uh, extend a thank you to all our veterans. Um, I, I want you to know, I mean, I appreciate the fact that we did the video, and as a church, we pray for you, and church family, we thank you, but um, I just would personally like to thank you. I, I do not take for granted the ability that we have here to gather freely and safely and openly. And I do not take for granted the sacrifice that you made uh, in order to ensure that that continues to happen. So thank you. Uh, It it affects me personally to be able to to do this. Uh, We're in a series uh, where we're looking at uh, what God wants to do for you. And we've been looking at the names of God in the Old Testament uh, because the names of God reveal God's character. The names of God reveal God's relationship uh, to you and with you. And so today uh, we're going to focus on experiencing the power of God's love. Uh, Because we all have a deep need to be loved. And God is the only one who can meet that need. Uh, Many of us don't fully understand that God's love is personal. It's personal. For me, I mean, we all know that God's love is big. We know it's unconditional. We know that it's everlasting. We know it's universal. But is it personal? Uh, does it have my name on it? And and I know some of you may be thinking uh, another message on God's love. Uh, you know, I've heard this before, and you may uh, want to write it off. But a, a lot of people have heard about God's love. But I found that very few people truly understand the depth of God's love, and even fewer people are genuinely experiencing the power of God's love as they live their life. And uh, we're, we're all in different stages of our spiritual journey, uh, a group, even a group this size. There are people at different places. Uh, some of you today uh, w- would be genuine seekers. Uh, you're here today because you're trying to find out about this God thing, and is it real? And, and you're, you're looking for answers. And I would maintain that what you're really looking for is love, God's love. Uh, some of you would say, well, I, I'm not a seeker, I'm more of a stumbler. Uh, you know, you struggle with your Christian faith, and, and you think, well, maybe I don't love God enough. And I tell you that That's not your problem. It's not a matter that you don't love God enough. It's that you don't understand how much God loves you. That's the issue. And some would say, I'm not a seeker. I'm not a struggler. I'm totally sold out, totally committed to Jesus Christ. But sometimes I forget how personal God's love is for me, that God loves me. And so no matter where you're at today on your spiritual journey, my, my prayer is, is that this message would, would not be poetic, uh, but it would be personal. Uh, that it would not just be inspirational like a Hallmark card, but that it would be transformational 
as you begin to experience the power of God's love. Because we're spinning around in a love-starved world. And we, we see it every day. We see it in the news. We see it in the workplace. We see it in our schools. We, we see it in our own lives. Uh, we live in a love-starved world. And people growing up or growing old today are, are not getting better and better. Uh, people are getting more bitter, more angry, and oftentimes even more violent. And so is the answer a, another best-selling book or a seminar? Is Congress going to legislate an answer for this? Are Twitter and Facebook going to lead the way? Um, you know, the Bible boldly proclaims that there's only one love in the universe that can meet our love-starved need, and that, that's God's love. And you can try and fill it with whatever else you want, but there's only one answer, uh, God's love. Uh, Jeremiah 31.3, on the screens, on your notes, on the app, the Lord said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I have drawn you with loving kindness. You may wonder, what am I doing here today listening to this? <laughs> How did I wind up here? And I'll tell you, it's because God is drawing you with his loving kindness. He's drawing you to him. Because God loves you deeply and he wants you to know it today. And so he's drawn you here to experience the power of his love. In Ephesians 3, Paul says, I pray that you may be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is, and to experience this love for yourselves. Notice that phrase, experience this love for yourselves. It's personal. Uh, you know, God's love is it's long enough to last forever. It's wide enough to include everybody. It's deep enough to reach to our pain and despair. It's high enough that we're never going to get over it. But have you experienced God's love for yourself? Have you experienced that God really, really loves you on your good days? And God really, really loves you on your bad days. Why? Because it's it's not just what God does, it's what he is. The Bible says God is love. Uh, notice that this famous passage in Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I want us today to look at God's love for you from an angle uh, that may surprise you. Uh, in this series, we've been looking at the names of God in the Old Testament, and the one we're looking at today is the name Jehovah Roy. Jehovah Roy means I am the God who shepherds you. God refers to himself as a shepherd. And King David, who was also a shepherd, tells us in Psalm 23 that because God is our shepherd, we can have no wants. And then in the New Testament, Jesus, the God-man, God in the flesh, also calls himself a shepherd. In John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd is willing to die for the sheep. And so a love that is willing to die 
for us, a love that leaves us with no wants. That's the type of love that God has for us. And he wants you and I to experience the power of that love. Christ is willing to lay down his life for you so you can live with no wants. Now, what I don't like about these verses is that you and I are referred to as sheep. As a kid, my grandfather raised some sheep, and uh, one thing I know is, is that sheep are dumb. (laughs) They're very dumb. Uh, You know, uh, think about it. Have you ever seen sheep in the circus? Uh, they're, they're too dumb to learn tricks. <laughs> Have you ever seen sheep run? Uh, they don't bend their knees when they run. They have knees. They just haven't figured out how to use them yet because, because they're dumb. And hundreds of times in the Bible, we are called sheep. And a shepherd will tell you that sheep require endless attention because they easily stray. Isaiah 53, 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. No wonder we're called sheep, because we stray. But if we can wrap our mind around God's love, when we experience that it's personal, then I can have no wants because, on your notes, God knows me and he still loves me. God knows me and he still loves me. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And the fact that he knows me and still loves me answers some of the fundamental questions that we have in life. Does God know me? Does he even know that I exist? Does he know what I'm going through? Does he care about my problems? Or are my problems too petty for him? Nothing is too petty for God. Matthew 10.30 says, God even knows how many hairs are on my head. You can insert your own joke there. Psalm 145, 17, the Lord is loving toward all he has made. Notice all, includes everybody. And yet God knows me and loves me personally. God loves everybody and God loves me. You know, that tension is pretty amazing given that there are 8 billion people on the planet. How, How can God do that? How can he love 8 billion people and also love and care for me. Romans eleven thirty three says, yes, God's riches are very great and his wisdom and knowledge have no end. No one can explain the things God decides or understand his ways. The Bible teaches us that God has the leisure of heart to know and love each one of us. And when God is loving me and caring for me, it doesn't mean that he has to stop loving and caring for you. you know, parents, you know how when you, when you go to a school program and, and, and you videotape uh, your kid, and then you come home and you watch the videotape. Remember videotape, the big machines like this? I mean, now everybody does it on their phone, but you, you come, you, you watch it later, and you realize that here's this program with all the, a stage full of activity going on 
And what do you see? You see your kid because that's what you zoomed in on. Well, God does the same thing. God zooms in on each one of us. And so if you're a seeker here today and you're checking this whole thing out and you're thinking, I'm just going to slip in and slip out. I'm just, I'm going to go to church incognito today. I'm not going to be noticed. <laughs> God notices you. You think you're a seeker, but God is seeking you. He has drawn you here. He's relentlessly drawing you to himself. 1 Peter 5, 7, he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Why? Because he wants to catch you doing something wrong? No, because he loves you. Because he loves you. He knows you. He knows your pain. He knows your past. He knows your sin. He knows your talents. He knows your potential. He knows your future. And he loves you. That's why he notices you. I can have no wants because God also protects me. He protects me just like a shepherd protects the sheep. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm about to sink. I am in despair. I am in over my head. I am in deep trouble. Psalm 40, 11. King David, the shepherd, he's in dire straits. And he said, my only hope is your love. For all of us, when it, when it all boils down to it, my only hope is God's love. It's the only thing I've got going for me. For my problems are too big for me to solve and are piled over my head. God wants to protect us so that we have no wants. I love this story from, from Doug Fields. Doug Fields is a, a pastor friend of, of our family. We've known Doug for years. He says, the other day I was driving in traffic and I stopped at a stoplight. I did what most people do. I looked around to check people out. I looked to my left and there was this four-year-old boy checking me out. We made eye contact and I smiled, gave him a head nod. He looked at me and started making faces at me, sticking out his tongue, rolling his eyes around. And I thought, surely he's not doing that at me. And so I looked around for who else he could be doing it to, and there's no one. And I look back, and now he's making noises and gestures. And I don't know why stuff like that bothers adults, but I wanted to reach out, unscrew my antenna, and smack him with it. <laughs> but I looked to see who was driving the car. Neanderthal man was driving the car. The guy had a tank top on, huge muscles, a tattoo of a pit bull on his arm that said, I hate my mom. This guy was nasty looking. He was mean. This little kid looked at pencil neck pastor and kept making faces. After my ego healed, I actually started laughing about it. I thought, you know why that kid could act like that? Because he knew who was in the driver's seat. He had the confidence of having a protector. And God took that incident and said, Doug, when you put me in the driver's seat of your life, you can live with confidence. You can know that I'm going to protect you. You know that I'm on your side. If God is for us, who can be against us? Deuteronomy 33:27. God is your refuge. And underneath you are his everlasting arms. I can count on God's protection.
Romans 8, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He knows us, he loves us, he protects us, and like a good shepherd, he guides us. He guides us. And some of you think, great, just what I need, somebody else telling me what to do. But God loves to guide you. He, he enjoys guiding. He, he knows that life is too difficult for us to do it on our own. And he wants to guide you in decisions and in direction. God's guidance is what marks us out as God's children. Uh, Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And so if you're a Christian, God wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. You can count on his leadings to move you more and more to become like Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you to chew on this week. Do you sense his guidance? Can you look in your life and know that God is guiding you? Do you feel his leading? Do you hear his voice? Because God wants to lead you. He has good plans for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is always trying to lead us, to guide us, to shepherd us. The question is, as sheep, are we listening? Do we hear his voice? Now, you hear about the love of the Good Shepherd, and you may wonder, well, how do I respond to a love like that? How do I experience the power of this love? What do you do with this as, as you walk out of here today? Number one, the first thing you do is you receive God's love. You receive God's love. When you start to understand uh, the, how wide, how long, how deep, how high God's love is, my, my initial response is, I'm not worthy of that type of love. And God responds, exactly, you're not. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's called good news. We didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Yet God sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Romans 5.8 says, God has shown us how much he loves us. Different version. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When we were enemies of God, God still loved us and sent his son to die for our sins. Uh, imagine with me for a, uh, for a minute. Uh, imagine if you had to write down every bad thing you ever did in your entire life. You had to write it down in, in notebooks and in journals. And, and let's say that God gave you the ability to remember everything you'd ever done wrong, every bad thought, word, or deed, every sin you've ever committed, and you had to write it all down. And if you're like me, you're thinking, that's a lot of notebooks. That's a lot of notebooks. And then imagine that you take your notebooks to God and he takes them from you and he puts them in a bin that says forgiven. And then he walks you into a party, a, a celebration of your receiving his great love for you. And there's music and streamers and people laughing. There's cake 
there's punch, there's a crock pot with those little hot dogs with the grape jelly and the barbecue sauce. Know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you were, well, Kelly, how do you know it's like that? Because Jesus tells three stories in the Bible. Stories about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost child. And guess what happens in all of those stories? When the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost child are found, God throws a party. God rejoices because that which was lost has been found. And if you're a seeker here today, today is your day to be found. And heaven is waiting to throw a party on your behalf. The Bible tells us that when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, the devil cries and the angels dance. This is your day to respond to God's love, to receive it. And it's more than just believing in God. Sometimes people say, I've always believed in God. And that's great. And it's a good start. But John 1.12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You believe and you accept. You believe and you receive God's love. And that gives you the right to become God's child. And if you've never received God's love, what are you waiting for? A better offer? No. Just, just in your heart say, God, I want to be your child. I receive your love today. And if you've done that today, I would encourage you to let me know. Uh, I'd love to pray for you this week. On the communication card, on the app on the communication card, there's a spot where you can say, I'm trusting, I'm beginning to trust Jesus Christ. And I'd love to know that. Now, if you're already a Christian, uh, if you'd say, I, I already received God's love, well, then here's my challenge for you. And that is that you would rest in God's love today, that you would rest in the fact that he loves you, that you would rejoice in the fact that God loves you. In fact, number two, that you would refill yourself with God's love. Refill yourself with God's love. John 15, 9, Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Live within my love. How do I live within his love? One of the things that's helped me in this regard is I picture my life like a bucket. And every day I have to refill my bucket with God's love because my bucket leaks. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, a hole. You're welcome. My, my life is a bucket, and, and God's love is a fountain. And the more I refill my bucket, the more I experience God's love. So how do I refill my bucket? Okay, this is an, on your notes. You're just going to have to jot this in in the margin somewhere. Uh, number one, I confess my sins and repent of them. I confess my sins and repent of them. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is not going to pour his love into a dirty bucket. And so I must confess my sins and let God clean me up. Notice, I don't have to clean myself up. I can't clean myself up. 
But if I confess my sins, God promises to clean me up. So I confess and I repent. It's the very essence of, of the Christian life. You follow the commandments. When you screw up, when, not if, when you screw up, you confess and repent. And God will clean you up and fill you with his love. So what area of your life do you need to confess and repent so God can clean you up? And we've all got them. That, that, that's part of the spiritual growth process. Over the course of your life, you deal with sin after sin after sin after sin. And you gain victory after victory after victory. And you become more like Christ. Because you learn to confess and repent and it changes your life. So I confess and repent. Number two, I spend time in the Word of God. Uh, every day I spend time in the Word. Uh, I get a verse for the day. Uh, I, I think of it as like taking a daily vitamin. Every day you get a verse for the day, and it's a verse that I lean into. It's a verse that I lean on uh, through the day. And I, I'd encourage you, just like you know, we take a vitamin every day, but then we eat. We eat meals, and I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Get a verse for the day, but also uh, immerse yourself in a, in a bigger passage. Uh, you, know, you don't have to read the entire Bible every day. You don't have to read whole books of the Bible every day, but I'd encourage you to read a few chapters. Rather than nibble, dine, and, and read enough to get a glimpse of the scope and sequence of the story. You know, we live in a day and age where we, we can all have a Bible app on our phone. And so we can read the Bible anytime we want to. Uh, you know, people won't even know you're reading the Bible. You, you can read it at break, you can read it at lunch, you can read it in the doctor's office. You know, on my app, I can listen to it. Someone else reads it to me. And with different versions, I can hear it in different voices. And so I turn it on and I listen to a few chapters every day when I do my walk every day most days I, I try to walk and I listen to a few chapters uh, of the Bible and lately it's been in first and second Samuel because that's what my small group has been studying and so I'll pick five or six chapters and listen to them every day for a week the, the same chapters, so that I get familiar with the content of that section and I'll do the same thing in the car. If I'm commuting or running errands, I put my Bible app on Bluetooth and I listen to my chapters. And I listen to the Word. I read the Word broadly and deeply. The Word of God is the number one way that God expresses His love to you. This book is God's love letter to us. And if you're going to learn the names of God, if you're going to understand the character of God, if you're going to see evidence of God's love, if God is going to shepherd you, it happens when you read his word. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses long. And in our Bibles, it's right in the middle. If you, if you drop your Bible open to the middle, you'll wind up in Psalm 119. It's in the heart of of our Bible and every verse out of 176 verses praises God's Word 
It is an epic poem celebrating how wonderful God's word is. The word is worth your time. And when you spend time in it, God will refill your bucket with his love. And number three, if I'm going to refill my bucket, I must worship. And so I not only pick a verse for the day, I pick a song for the day. And just as I read more than one verse, I'll listen to more than one song through the day. But the song of the day is the one that, that sticks in my head. It's the one that I whistle. It's the one that I hum. It's the one where I just burst out in a phrase or a chorus during the day. Because I try to have an attitude of worship uh, all day. Now, I'll tell you, that's what makes these weekend services so powerful. Because we get together here and we learn these songs. We get to sing them out loud, full voice, together. There is a power in that worship experience. It, it actualizes, it unleashes the power of God's love. I tell you, when I'm here and I'm singing with you guys in, in worship, I cry. I, I often, I, ju I just cry because it, the experience of worship is just overwhelmingly joyful for me. When I come to worship here, I get refilled, refreshed, renewed, revived here with you. Now, that's why attending worship is so crucial in your Christian life. And I know I'm preaching to the choir right now. But for 2,000 years, uh, believers in all ages, all over the world, have gathered together in person for worship because it is powerful. Now, over the last couple of years, surveys tell us that due to the lockdowns and the proliferation of online services, the average Christian now attends church in person once a month. So the in-person worship experience has dropped from 48 times a year to 12. And somebody's got to say it out loud. That is not enough. That is not enough. And I love our online service. I love that we offer it. We will continue to offer it. We're going to try and improve it. But as your pastor, as your shepherd who loves you, I feel compelled to tell you that attending church in person once a month is not going to be enough experience to worship, to sustain your spiritual growth in the dark days that are ahead. It's just not. And I love that we can minister to the church scattered through our online services, but there is a power that is unleashed when the church gathers for worship. And if there's ever been a time in my lifetime when we need that power, uh, it's now. Because we are spiritually under attack as a nation, as churches, and as families. And I, I got to be around God's people. Because when I'm around God's people, I unleash the power of God's love through worship and I get my bucket refilled. And I'd encourage you to join us in person next weekend. We're going to kick off the holiday season with uh, a worship weekend. We're going to celebrate who God is. We're going to look at the name of God that gives us clarity in the midst of these crazy times. And, and I truly hope that you'll be here in person, in person. And if you can't be, watch online.
okay? Number four, the way I refill my bucket is to worry about everything. And I love the look on your faces when I say that because, and I shamelessly did that in order to catch your attention. But I, I picked that where I was trying to do W words here, okay? And, uh, but I also picked it because uh, we're sheep. And sheep are skittish. Sheep are afraid of everything. And so are we. And, and, and the point of God's love is, is we don't have to worry. In fact, the Bible says don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And so I just recognize as sheep, we have a tendency to worry. So worry and let your worry drive you to prayer. Let your worry prompt you to pray because worry drains your bucket and prayer fills it up. If I'm going to respond to God's love for me, I must, number three, I must reflect God's love to others. Uh, When you begin to understand God's love for you, when you receive it, when you begin to refill your life with it, you know what begins to be much more clear? Is other people's needs. And and you look around and you go, well, he needs love and and she needs love and, 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 and she needs love and he needs love. And you begin to see that other people need the love that you have experienced. And so you begin to give it away. The love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. And there's something about giving love away that makes love come alive. It's when you give it away that you unleash the power of love, God's power. And you're going to leave here in a few minutes, hopefully with a bucket full of God's love. And I would encourage you to share that love with somebody today and then watch what happens. You'll sense God's love. You'll feel the power of God's love because that's how it works. That's how it works. Jesus, the good shepherd, right before he was going to be crucified, right before he laid down his life for his sheep, he pulled his closest followers together and he said, I am giving a new command to you now. Love each other just as much as I love you. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When you love each other, it unleashes God's power in your life and it makes it known to the world around you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your love. And we don't deserve it. Yet you pour it out on us so extravagantly, so freely. And so I just thank you for that today. God, I pray that this message will will be personal, that it will be transformational, that we might be different people as we leave here today. Because you love us. And as we experience even a glimpse of it, it can change our lives. God, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.